Let's pray together. Father, we certainly are grateful for your grace. May our response to your grace be one of submission, obedience, enjoying you, living lives in light of Christ at work in us. So we interact with a portion of First Peter chapter 2. <clears throat> we want to be attentive hearers and doers. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. We continue our study of First Peter chapter 2. <clears throat> Let me ask some thought questions for you to ponder. Can an enslaved person be free? <clears throat> Should a person who is experiencing unjust treatment seek to escape or change their circumstances? Does God call his children to remain there under unjust suffering? Why? Why not? How did Christ endure unjust suffering with joy? Peter has written to God's elect who were undergoing persecution, not from the government, but from maybe family members, an owner, if you were a slave, maybe a neighbor. The identity that believers have in Christ in 1 Peter is emphasized very strongly. Also, there's an emphasis on living holy, godly lives in a foreign culture. When I say foreign culture, citizenship in heaven, living on this earth while they're going under through undergoing persecution. We want to read together 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a covering for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, 
so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if anyone does not, or any one of them do not believe the word, that he may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from the outward adornment, such as braided hair, and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Well, this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called her, or called him her Lord, her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right, and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considered as you live with your wives, and treat them with respect as a weaker partner, and as heirs with You have the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Paul addresses citizens, which we discussed over the last several weeks. He addresses slaves, he addresses wives, and he addresses husbands. And again, that's in a culture, as we mentioned last week, that had household codes as far as how households were to run, slaves being considered part of the household along with wives and husbands. And this morning, in light of what is mentioned in verse 15, or I'm sorry, verse 16 of chapter 2, he says, live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. And then in verse 18, he says, slaves, submit yourself to your masters. I want to make a distinction between servant and slave for a definite reason. And that will come out very clearly, not only this morning, but the next week or two. A servant, in this case, a servant of God is a person of mean condition under the control of another by choice. That is, under the control of God by choice enslaved to God, bound or pledged to serve God. Paul considered himself a servant of God, controlled by God by choice. Paul says, writing to believers, live as servants of God. In verse 18, slaves submit. See, a servant is a servant by choice due to God's grace. Whereas a slave can be defined as an inmate of a house. When you think of an inmate confined, being limited, Slave refers to domestic servant, a household slave, 
one who is enslaved, one who has no choice, in essence, enslaved against their will. A slave was considered to be part of a household. And a slave also was considered to be incapable of deliberate thinking and reasoning. Live as servants of God. And then he says, slaves, submit yourself to your masters. What is happening? Peter frees slaves in that they view themselves not as slaves to their masters, but servants of God, which means they freely, deliberately obey God, which means placing themselves under their masters. See, it's one thing to be enslaved because you have no choice. It's another thing to be enslaved and have a choice and say, I'm here with a good attitude and outlook. They are not to have a have-to slave attitude, but a want-to by choice as a servant of God. The heart change that comes through Christ. It is not a forced household slave, but a want-to by choice as a servant of God. They're worlds apart. I'm here because I have to be. I'm here because I choose to be. The attitude of the heart. It is possible to be a slave, literally, but to be free. On the other side of the coin, it is possible to be a free person, but a slave because they're where they are, not because they don't want to be. Just for a few moments, thinking about employees. See yourself as a servant of Christ, not working for a wage or have to, but deliberately for God's glory, since you're his servant. Christ chose to yield to his father. Work becomes a joy. As an employee, you're not to work for status, advancement, better wage. But as a servant of Christ, this frees an employee. Whether advancement comes or doesn't, one continues to work for God. Contentment is an obedience to Christ, not one's job, status, success. And so on. Far too often, we're tempted to work for money, advancement, benefits, retirements, while missing Christ. And contentment in simple work and displaying God's image. Free employees are those who live, work as servants of God and of Christ. Recognizing this is their area of accountability. And again, I emphasize the distinction between a slave 
and a servant. So he says to servants of God in verse 18 who are living as slaves, he says, slaves, submit yourself to your masters with all respect. The word submit is used in verse 13 of chapter 2. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men. It's also used in verse 18, which we just referred to. It's used in chapter 3 and verse 1. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. It's used in chapter 3 and verse 5. In writing about women of the past. And he says... Um, looking at verse 7 there. For this is the way the holy women in the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands. In verse 25, talking about after Christ's resurrection, he went into heaven at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. In chapter 5 and verse 5, He mentions that younger men should be submissive to older men. Submission means to arrange under voluntarily, place yourself under someone else voluntarily, being under the influence of someone voluntarily, rendering obedience voluntarily. He says submit. He's writing to people who were considered incapable of thinking and reasoning. And he says, I'm giving you the freedom to make a willful, deliberate, free choice to place yourself under your masters. They were to be servants of God. And then choose to be slaves. Hiding with the definition, they were to deliberately and freely place themselves under their masters. It was not a have to, but a willing to. As God's elect, slaves were free to choose to submit. So you can be in a trial against your will. Or you can be in a trial, and maybe you had no choice in the trial, but you can be there willingly. And he is saying to slaves, you're first of all servants of God, and as slaves, be there willingly. Peter says, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect. In chapter 1 and verse 17, the term reverent fear is used. Same Greek word. In chapter 2, he says, fear God. The word for fear there is the same word as respect in verse 18. 
And the idea of all respect is a deep reverence or awe. Slaves submit with all respect, with a reverence and awe, knowing one's master is an authority and responding accordingly. Thus the slave is accountable to God for one's response to their master. There's to be a reverence, there's to be an awe. The slave will be judged for his or her response, not their master's response. As servants of God, Peter says, slaves, submit to your masters with all respect. Can you picture a slave freely choosing to have a reverence for their master like he or she has for their heavenly father who elected them, sanctified them by the spirit, and sprinkled them with Christ's blood. All respect. A fear of God. An amazement and an astonishment, a trembling. Just as you respond to God, respond to your master with all respect. Fear of God. All respect. The amazement that one was elected by God, experienced the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Experience sprinkling by Christ's blood. Experiencing grace and peace in abundance. Experience the new birth. Experiencing a living hope. Anticipating an inheritance that will not perish, spoil, or fade. We'll enjoy a salvation to be revealed when Christ is revealed. Having an impartial judge and experiencing grace in the midst of trials. That's the idea. A fear of God of all respect. Reverence to God is displayed in this case, in this context, by reverence to one's master. Ponder that. He already spoke of submitting to civil authority. You submit to God by submitting to civil authority. You submit to God, in this case, by submitting to one's master. Slaves, you're responsible. Now notice he says, slaves submit to your masters with all respect. And then he mentions some limitations, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Slaves don't only submit to those who are good and considerate, but the contrast, those who are harsh, Those who would be wicked or crooked or perverse. He's saying, slaves, you're responsible. He's freeing slaves in the sense that they make choice as to how do they respond because slaves were not considered capable of reasoning or making choices on their own. He frees them and says, yes, you are free. Now, not only good to those who are good, 
those who give profitable and generous and virtuous and upright items, those who are considerate, reasonable, and mild. But he said also to those who are harsh. Peter's saying a mouthful. He doesn't tell them to seek to escape or anything else. He says, here's how you are to respond. Why would he say that? In verse 19, 4, the idea of reason, for it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. It's commendable. It's a beneficial opportunity. It's grace. It's a generous gift. You bear up under the pain of unjust suffering. And some slaves would have been through unjust suffering. Patiently enduring that sustains and keeps going. Unjust. It's not right. It's a lack of good. It's a lack of consideration. Bearing up under that. Peter says, because one is conscious of God. You will find that Peter, as well as Paul, as they write to social situations, cultural situations, they do not try to change the status of a slave or a wife or a husband but how to live in sensitivity to God in the circumstance in which they were placed. Slaves who continue to submit to their masters who were unjust were displaying commendable acts before God. Think about that. Slaves who continued to submit to their masters who were unjust were displaying commendable acts before God. This is so contrary to the way we think today. We tend to think in a much different way. If we're going through suffering, unjust suffering, we would say, call an attorney, demand our rights. Walk away, run, go to the higher-ups, go elsewhere. We tend to do that in marriage. We tend to do that in the church. We tend to do that in our community, in our jobs and in our schools and in our suffering. We just went out. Culture at large, we demand change in our laws. We riot. How do you live as a free person in trial and on just suffering? A few thoughts, whether it be a job situation, in Peter's situation, a slave, whether it be in a family situation or community situation, remain under trial at least until our heart is right. So that even under trial, can live as a servant of God. 
being free, not demanding escape. Let God form character in us. You ever stop to think about the character that was formed in the slaves of Peter's day? As they lived as servants of God, as a slave. A depth of character. If our inner person doesn't change before we make a change, we cease to experience Christ at that point in time. For Peter's hearers who were slaves, he says, live as servants of God, submit yourself to your master, and God will work in you. Now they're free to move on to something else if that was given by God. But if they couldn't live as a slave, being a servant of God, how were they going to live as a servant of God in a new circumstance? The inner person changing. If we can't experience Christ in a difficult circumstance, we probably won't experience him in a new circumstance because we haven't learned to walk with him as a servant where we presently are. Instead, we want freedom from what we're going through. A couple of the thoughts as it relates to our culture today. Work with a humble, gracious attitude. A want to. A desire to. Years ago, when we were in Tennessee, I was desperately looking for work. I ended up working at Eckerd's Drugstore for a period of time. I was low person on the totem pole. You know, I did all considered the reject work. And one time my boss said to me, Dan, by mistake, something got thrown into the dumpster. I want you to go in and find it. Now, did I go in there as a servant of God or did I go in there as a slave? And I'm making the distinction, did I go into into that with a willing attitude or I don't want to do this. Well, I guess I'll do what I have to, otherwise I'll lose my job. See, I didn't go in as a free person if I went in that way. Talking about the attitude of the heart, living as servants of God, working to display God's glory, God's power, Christ's life and his life within us. The paycheck becomes secondary. I'm not saying it's not important, but it becomes secondary. Reflecting God's image is primary. These slaves in Peter's day had the privilege of displaying God's image as they worked. Another case of work. I worked as a janitor in a public school in Chattanooga for a period of time. I thought guys' bathrooms were bad until I get into the girls' bathrooms to clean up, and I thought the guys' bathroom is like heaven. I'm not knocking girls, I'm just saying they were not very nice. And I remember the first time we went in there one night, and it was a mess. The floor was a mess, the ceiling was a mess, and some other things were a mess, and I thought, I don't want to do this. I'll clean pig pen before I'll do this. 
a clean chicken pen before I'll do this. And the Lord had to work in my heart, Dan, you're to be a servant of God by doing what your boss expects you to do because you're willing to. Submission to God. Responding on the job. A change in a job will not bring change in the heart. Deal with the heart first. Develop a servant heart. Be free. Don't be an employee that is not free. Understand that in our daily living, if your focus on your job is, or if your focus is your job circumstance or on just treatment or teacher, then you move away from being a servant of God. And we'll find next week that Peter says, you're called to suffering. And he doesn't seem to be limiting that to slaves there. And then he gives the example of Christ. That Christ was called to suffering and how you respond. So back to my questions. Can an enslaved person be free? Yes. Choose to serve the master as a servant of God. See serving one's master as a as serving God. That's where Peter is coming from. Should a person who is experiencing unjust treatment seek to escape or change their circumstances? My response would be, be slow. Experience God where you are first. And then if a change is possible, pursue it. But allow God to form character where you are. Does God call his children to remain under unjust suffering? Why? Why not? In light of 1 Peter, in light of Christ, the answer is yes. Christ was under unjust suffering. The people to whom Peter is writing, the slaves were under unjust suffering. And he says to the slaves, remain under it. And Christ chose to remain under unjust suffering. One's response and unjust suffering is big. It is living worthy of one's calling by being humble. A slave is accountable only for their response. Nothing else. How did Christ endure unjust suffering with joy? We'll touch on next week. He entrusted himself to his father. Simple obedience. We in our culture today probably struggle with what Peter is saying to slaves and then translating it into living in our culture today. But by God's grace, as we live well, we're sought were light. And people say, why do you respond the way you do? They ask a question. And we can talk about God's work in our life. And point them to Christ. 
And Peter goes on and gives some other responses as far as how people should live in submission to God in daily living. Let's pray together. Mm. Father, we know that the slaves of Peter's day were called to submit to their masters as Christ submitted to you as his father. And then there's instructions for wives and husbands. As we live as God's people, as your people, Father, in our culture today, we want to live in submission to you. It's so easy in our culture to be demanding and want an immediate change and just become very upset as we live. We need grace and understanding from you to live well in our culture. When to make decisions, when to make a move. But where you have placed us at this time as employees, as students, as members of the community in which we live, as members of a family, Help us to live as your servants for your glory. I know we are not in the same culture as Peter was, the slaves and so on of Peter's day, but we want to live well in the culture in which you have placed us because you're a God of grace who gives us what we need. And even though we may suffer at times, we know that you will make us strong and firm and steadfast because your power is at work in us. We want that to be evident again this week in how we live and respond. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.